Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. I'm so stoked to have you guys here today because we are chatting about juggling low toxic living and kind of combining in that with being a mum because we know that life can be crazy and stressful and busy and to be low tox as well as all the things is quite a big ask, I feel like. So today we have the privilege of speaking to Sarah or if you follow her on Instagram, Instagram. She's otherwise known um, as the founder of Low Toxic Rabbit. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a great opportunity to have a chat about my story and to share kind of where I've come from and where I am now um, with others because I know that going low tox like is very, very overwhelming at times. So <laughs> I find it overwhelming and I'm a single, like it's just me and I'm like, how hard can it be kind of thing? But then when I started looking into it and I was like, oh my, like skincare kind of made sense for me in a way. Like I was like, oh yeah, because I struggle with acne and psoriasis. I've always been really conscious of it. But then when I start looking into cooking plans and plastics and then tea and then when I saw that post the other day about condoms and like like tampons and all this stuff and I was like, yeah. holy moly, it's just a big black hole. It really is. We're kind of getting thrown I guess like so many environmental toxins from so many directions as well. And it's sort of like, what do I focus on? Where do I start? What, where do I begin? Um, I guess I was lucky when I started out because I wasn't privileged to all this information that's currently online. I was just working with a holistic doctor. So it was very, um, I was able to incrementally like add things in. And as I learned more, I would add and change my lifestyle and how I was doing things. So let's let's step it back then because otherwise I'm just going to nail you with questions straight up and people be like, who is this chick? So you are a mum of three and you're a previous health advisor. So your passion now is like obviously like helping to share what you've learned about detoxifying your lives and encourage others to understand more sort of about what we're putting in our bodies. But where did this whole journey start? What kind of health crisis, quote unquote, were you in or what pushed you to go down this low tox pathway? Well, I actually was diagnosed in my early 20s with Graves' disease and um, I was taking lots of medication. I was constantly tired. I was really like fatigued. I couldn't, in my 20s, I couldn't go out and socialize in the same way my friends were. And I was really, really struggling with that. And I felt like a lot of the medication was actually making things worse. And so then when we moved on to starting to thinking about having kids ourselves, well, I kind of had made a commitment that I didn't want to be on medication. So we went to the endocrinologist and the only solution he could offer me is radiotherapy on my thyroid, which I kind of inherently knew wasn't quite right for me. And so we decided to sort of advice from my wonderful mother-in-law, actually, who had a friend who had been seeing a holistic doctor said, why don't you try this? Why don't you go see a holistic doctor? And 
find the root cause of your Graves' disease rather than just treating the symptoms. So that's kind of where it all began. And so I went through a holistic doctor and they found out that I actually had quite high mercury levels and other heavy metals, which was possibly causing a lot of my symptoms. And so I went through a heavy metal detox and went through and changed a lot of my lifestyle. So I removed processed foods and started eating really whole foods as well because I was very guilty as a as a, a young person eating pretty terribly like I, I remember that I used to be able to, I'd be, my aim was to find the cheapest food I could eat. So that might've been like a pack of pie. I used to be able to get this big bag of pies for like $20 and I'd live off those for the week, which is not how you want to look after your health. But anyway, so I did a lot of damage in my early years at uni and things like that as well. And so anyway, we came, I basically went through that big detox and my health was I was medication free. I was able to wean off all my medications as well. And my blood pressure was perfect. And so then we obviously went on to have um, our lovely children. And again, my blood pressure was perfect. My thyroid was perfect. And so by doing all that groundwork and making those big lifestyle changes, I was able to really truly transform my health, um, which is which has been amazing. But I have also learned a lot on the journey of motherhood because, because we don't, we're people that don't really stop very well. We don't rest and we don't take, kind of we don't sort of take in what we're actually doing so I kind of learned again another lesson after having three babies quite close together and I've kind of ended up with with postnatal depletion and so I wasn't getting the right nutrients and vitamins into my system because I was so busy with three little people and I've learned so much on this kind of secondary journey as well of how much we do need to look after our bodies as a mum and um, so like when I got to that point of, um, I guess, healing my Graves' disease, I didn't know it all and I'm still making mistakes along the way now. Yeah, I um, there's so many things that I want to unpack there. The first thing is when you did the heavy metal stuff, because I love that because I remember doing a hair trace mineral analysis and I'm not sure how you picked up heavy metals in the body. Was it hair or was it something? Yeah, else? it was hair. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Super, like it's super interesting and fascinating information. And like I just find there are so many women, because I was just saying like all the mercury and stuff in there and I'd been a uni student and a lot of tin food and I had oh, like, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so much tin tuna. Oh, oh so bad um but like all that stuff you don't realize the build up and the effects of those in your body and sure like small amounts kind of like plastics like small amounts here and there aren't going to be detrimental to one person's health but a build up or if you're already in a health crisis and then you've got mm. this other stuff on top of it or you're then a depleted mum or you're super flat out or whatever and your body's in that go 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 state and then you're putting all these extra toxins on it like you're asking a lot of your body yeah, definitely. And you're doing the opposite to supporting it. Like when you're stressed, your liver and things aren't going to function as well. Um, but yeah, it was amazing to find because heavy metals was never on my radar and I never really made the link. And I was actually doing a lot of work at, I was working at university and working at Bunnings Warehouse and I used to break, um, you would know in Australia what Bunnings Warehouse is. Well, I used to break fluorescent bulbs, like those energy saver bulbs all the time. And they're really heavy in mercury and you would just, I didn't even think twice of it. There are no warnings. You don't really know. People aren't aware of the exposure and where you're getting it from. Like you said, the tin fish. I used to eat a lot of tin fish as a uni student too. So it's, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. But people have really low awareness. Yeah, so that was kind of the start of it for you. Like you sort of had that that health journey and those kinds of things. So then what about after 
kids when you ended up so depleted in nutrients and vitamins of that postnatal depletion like how did you get yourself from there kind of to where you are now then yeah so I basically we were so busy with with by the time we had our third child and it kind of got to the point where my skin was so bad like I had um, I haven't probably really shared this much with people, but I had like rashes all over my arms and I'm now all clear, which is amazing. But my body was showing a real inflammation response because I was lacking in a lot of vitamins like zinc and selenium and magnesium. And once I was able to correct those, um, I, I'm, I've made such a difference. And now I'm finally kind of at a state where I'm not breaking out in rashes and my skin mm. is actually healing. So I've kind of had that breakthrough, but it's been quite a journey. I've actually gone through quite a few different kind of diets and things to address it. Um, but then I came back, interestingly enough, to the heavy metals testing again because I was like, well, I've had success with that. So we're going to come back to that. And I kind of looked at, I was lucky enough to be given a book um, or be told to read a book about postnatal depletion. And basically it talked about the copper-zinc ratio. And I was like, when I re read about how when that's out, all the symptoms married up with mine which was really amazing. Um, so I was like able, and I was, so when I got the head, that's my kind of secondary hair testing, I kind of knew what the results were going to be anyway. And they did, they were reflective of being really high in copper, um, which can be really thrown out when you're pregnant and having children. And if you're not getting zinc and you're getting too much copper. And when I examined our diet, our diet's really great, but it's also very high in copper. And also I think we moved house, so our tap water was high in copper and all these things that we kind of had taken for granted because we were sort of like, oh, well, copper's good for you. It's fine, but it's not so good when you don't have enough zinc in your system. So, yeah, yeah I kind of learned that the hard way. That's super interesting because then I also see the other spectrum where people have been supplementing with zinc for a long time, thinking they're doing the right thing without blood testing it, and then they end up with really high zinc and issues with their copper levels and then yeah. sort of impacting iron and all the other minerals, which, like, I wasn't even going to go down this route in the podcast, but it is, I love, yeah, I <laughs> I love mineral testing like it's so good because everything's got to sit sort of in that ratio of things whereas people often just think oh just focus on one mineral and you're like well no because that mineral throws that one out and you're right yeah. it's that whole detoxing system yeah um so then what's your approach to food now just a general whole food diet or you have quite specific principles you follow well, for a while I was on low copper, and so now we're slowly incrementing that, incrementing that back in. So for a while I was dairy-free, and so I was having lots of all the dairy-free milks, so almonds and stuff, which are high in copper. And so I kind of knew in, like, innately that there was something wrong, that it was actually making things worse. So my diet's really shifted from being very dairy-free and sort of not vegan, but but I guess more vegetarian. I used to lean towards more vegetarian and um, obviously still with a little bit of meat and dairy-free, but now I've really made a shift towards like all the high-fat diet, which is funny enough. So all the good, like your tallows, your butter, yeah. all yeah. the vitamin A's and things like I that. All these things. Ah, yeah, get yeah. all the things that I was so, so lacking during pregnancy. Because, and I'm not to say that anything's wrong with the vegetarian or like leaning towards that diet or dairy-free, but for me, it wasn't that wasn't the right approach necessarily when I'm trying to sustain my body during pregnancy and growing babies. Um, because I had like babies quite quickly like I had four pregnancies gosh in four years and yeah um, so yeah so it kind of takes its toll on your body and if you're not feeding the right foods you it's not going to help so all those like 
fat soluble vitamins I wasn't getting and so I've really made a shift to that and wow I can honestly say my skin is amazing now like my yeah my skin generally glows as long as I'm not too tired <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and then tied in with that your focus would be around obviously avoiding processed foods and prioritizing yeah. organic foods where you can I assume yeah definitely there is yeah. a budget element in that for a lot of people as well when it comes yeah to yeah so what 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 we do is like when I first initiated like going through a big health journey is that I firstly initiated removing processed foods completely and well when it make like simply that difference can make in your life basically because you're removing a lot of those inflammatory foods as well if you're removing processed foods so like the first layer I would if you're trying to approach health and trying to make changes that are within budget is simply going whole foods and in fact and going unprocessed because in fact you actually save money because you're not buying all these sauces and all these other things you're making them from scratch from spices and it's much easier than you think once you kind of know how but then you can kind of move down to the next layer which we try and eat organic as much as possible um, on things we can um, source as well so we get in veggie boxes and things like that but my husband reminded me quite frankly last week he's like we're better to eat the vegetables even if they're not organic than not eat them at all so I think that's like a key message as well it's like it's great if you can eat organic and find as much food so that you're not you're reducing your exposure to unnecessary toxins but it's not the be all or end all either yeah, and then also within that, it's like, well, there's so many vegetables that you can prepare in a way to reduce the toxin load as well. You're washing or you're peeling or like your bananas or, or whatever it is, like foods where you kind of like, okay, well, is there is there ones, if my budget's limited, what ones are kind of the ones I want to pick as my organic ones and what ones can I sort of surpass on or, or you know, only do it occasionally as well. Like I feel like there's there's quite a scale there you can work with. Yeah, we actually did like a wee while ago. We actually looked into it for ourselves more specifically on what foods were worth organic and what mm. foods are okay to buy conventionally. And so we did a big table for ourselves and then we were like, actually, this would be amazing information for other people as well because we're all kind of on tight budgets, particularly with the cost of living now as well, to then know what to prioritise. So I kind of did a nice movie table that shows you the things that mm-hmm. ideally you should buy organic, things that are sort of okay either way and things that are okay to buy conventionally. So this is based off a lot of the MPI data with um, specific to New Zealand and we've also looked at Australia and worldwide data about pesticides, residues and what's sprayed and, and the also the kind of like risk factors with those sprays and how risky is that spray to your health if they're using that on that I guess that fruit or veg so yeah we've kind of looked at a lot of that data across the board to get kind of a big an overview of what is worth buying organic and what's okay to buy is it is it online with like the um clean yeah and the dirty dozen like is it does yeah it up with that kind of like your, yeah it does yeah porous ones that like your spinach and berries are really highly sprayed whereas yeah 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 okay yeah, that makes yeah, sense. yeah. And so potatoes are potatoes are the kind of one of the non-negotiables in our house. Um, yeah. yeah, those sort of root potatoes because they they spray them quite heavily to stop them from seeding, and also they spray them to 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 make it easier for them to I guess harvest as well. So there's like some real risk factors, and they're a root vegetable, so they soak up a lot of junk as well. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of one of the big non-negotiables. And as you mentioned, like berries. Is, what about carrots? Actually, out of interest. Oh gosh, carrots. I think they sit in like the medium range. I have to like remember because we always buy organic carrots because yeah. they're always available. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, interesting. 
yeah, I would lean towards organic with carrot anyway, just because they are more readily available and mm. um, they are a root vegetable as well. So Yeah, I didn't even think of that because I like, yeah, like, I don't buy a heap of greens particularly, but like, yeah, lots of potatoes. Um, but I remember someone saying that the other day because I didn't really think about it with potatoes for some reason, whereas like a lot of my other veggies and stuff, I'll buy organic where I can. But yeah, I'm like, oh, that it does make sense though. You're right because they're a root vegetable, I suppose. Yeah, and it's just a poor harvesting practice to make life easier. They're spraying, yes. spraying it. So it's, yeah. it's not yeah. helpful in that regard. Yeah. So, Beyond food, what are some of your other big ones? I'm guessing water and I'm guessing cooking items and plastic. Cleaning products, particularly for mums. Like we're cleaning all day, every day, and we're spraying these things that are that are airborne and you don't want to be inhaling a lot of junk as well. So cleaning products are like a big one. That was one of the first, um, along the lines of food, that was one of the first things I switched out and started making myself when I first had my first, um, Peter it was one of the first things I did was switch out all my cleaning products because they are so so toxic like and you're inhaling a lot of this stuff and you're using it every day and what do you cook with because there's a mix like of different things around here people like you know some people are real cast iron and some are same stainless steel what's your go-to for cooking supplies well, it's actually interesting because I looked at all the different materials to cook in, yeah. and all of them have an element where they leach some form of toxin. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, cast iron might cast iron might leak iron or cadmium, and then then you have stainless steel which can leach nickel. So there's not really like this. I kind of despaired when I looked at it because I was like, oh, there isn't necessarily a perfect solution. Glass is probably the best, but but then like so my kind of approach is that I use different materials so that you kind of. Uh, not getting heavily exposed to too much iron or too much nickel or what have you. So we're kind of mixed between stainless steel, glass, and um, cast iron in our household. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah. I don't specifically cook with just one thing. And if I'm cooking something acidic, I might lean towards not using cast iron but then using stainless steel. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. And that's, yeah, a way, like, a really good, simple approach to it because I do think that, like, when you sort of do that research into the low tox. So I was kind of like, oh, cast iron or stainless steel or what, but to have a variety. And I love like certain elements. I love cooking with cast iron and other things. I'm like, oh, things just seem to stick if you haven't like worn it in properly. There's so many of those little things that come up, especially when we're used to like a quick non-stick pan in a sense. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah, definitely it is. Yeah, so my approach is just use variety as opposed to just one singular material. Yeah. Do you have a water filtering system on your whole house, or are you do you have a nice watering filter system at home, or how do you go about? Yeah, that? so we have a household filter on, mm. and then we also have a water filter for our beach top, which kind of remillerizes it and makes sure that it removes everything. So it's sort of like a double, a double kind of filtration system. It might not be necessary, but we're kind of cautious because body is like water is um, yeah. can be a massive source of toxins as well. Yeah. Oh, it's water's huge. Like that's probably one of the biggest ones, and it's still it's quite a. Some people still quite a headspace to change it or they're like is a jug enough like is it like is a Brita jug actually doing enough or do I need a whole system on my house or can I have a standalone Mm. system that's got do you know the different filters through it like and there's such a spectrum in price as well so people like where do I start am I spending a thousand bucks am I spending 20 bucks like how it's I don't know it's a minefield with water it really is but you actually just want to look at the microns of the filter and whether or not 
the size of the microns and the element that you're trying to remove. And then because a lot of the time they'll say you need this big $2,000 system and you don't because it will only remove just as much as the same cheaper one as long as the micros is small enough. Um, but anyway, that's kind of like one of the blessings I have with my husband who's like an engineer. So he kind of understands all this stuff a little bit more than other people. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love that. That's good. That's, that's super helpful because like you said, like it's those little things that people like – I don't like, I don't know. You're just going off buying a water filter system based on the fact that you think it's the right thing to do. But I love the remineralizing stuff as well, because that's probably one of the biggest things that are pushed with the women inside the root cause program is mineral dense foods, like obviously your ghee and your liver and your oysters and stuff like that. But then also trace mineral drops and remineralizing our diets, because so often we're just mineral depleted. And that kind of comes back to your hair mineral testing, but it can yeah. be the quote-unquote simplest things that make the big difference. And someone once said to me, your minerals are the spark plugs of the body. Like you need those in balance for everything else, for to fight your gut infections, to have healthy hormones, to do all that stuff. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's the foundation of everything that we're doing in a sense. Yeah, definitely. I can't agree enough. I, I like that analogy of the spark plug. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this whole hormonal balancing because when you look at a hair trace mineral analysis, you can see if the thyroid's out or the hormones are out or if you've got a gut infection based on the mineral balance in a sense. Like yeah. it, it's super interesting. Um, is there anything else that you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a non-negotiable for me because you've talked a little bit about food, a little bit about cleaning products, a little bit about cooking products and water. Is there other things that you feel like are a big part of our life that, skincare probably yeah I really reckon uh, cosmetics and skincare are a huge source of toxins more than people realize and um and you know I read I can think of an immediate example where I recently read about a lady who was diagnosed with breast cancer and wow like and it was caused by the product she was using so I don't think people really realize the connection and they just assume everything that's sitting on the supermarket shelf or or wherever you purchase like if I say farmers in New Zealand that is all safe but it's not 100% safe and they don't completely always understand the effects of each chemical they're adding into a product either yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a huge one because I see that in the Dutch testing, like the comprehensive hormone testing in that phase one of the liver, where you can see sort of what pathway estrogen's pushing down. And often if it's pushing down that breast cancer pathway, it is often driven by a high exposure to toxins, to skincare, to environmental like mimickers of estrogen in a sense. I mean, there's alcohol and caffeine, which can drive it as well, but generally it's driven by external environmental toxins or plastics and stuff and like people still heating stuff up in plastics and doing dumb stuff like that sense I'm sorry for anyone listening but please don't do that <laughs> yeah I agree actually like not heating in plastic is another non-negotiable and I am terribly guilty of this when I was working I used to have this lovely little work colleague and he would come up to me um, and he would be like, Sarah, you need to stop heating your food in plastic. And I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? It's absolutely fine. But now I look at it and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe I did that. And once you learn, once you learn about how much it's leaching into your food, you can never undo that. You can never heat your food in plastic again. It's shocking. No, but, no. And yeah. once, you, once you make that transition to glass or whatever, um, I can't whatever the name of the other type of container I have is, but once you transition all your 
um, uh, containers and stuff to that, then it's not even really an option. But then even like putting food away at night, like like if I do a massive slow cooker meal and I'm like, why well, don't I want to be chucking that in plastics? Like it just, and and you watch what plastics do when you go in the microwave and if they yeah. shrink sometimes, you're like, this cannot, like all those microwavable meals like that people have, I'm like, this can't be good. Like how how can we think that this can be good for us? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I you I forget about the microwave meals. Like, how many people are doing that, and also the junk in them. Like, oh my goodness. But I wonder, like, I think so much of it is an like an awareness and education because you think about like your platform and the awareness you're bringing to people, which I just love. Even on the simple daily stuff, like I said, tampons or condoms or things that we don't really think about, or even like herbal teas and the microplastics and things in yeah. there poor quality stuff like a lot of that first like firstly there's got to be that awareness and that education and then it's got to be like a easy kind of shift in a sense like buying a plastic container versus buying a glass container that's a very doable thing to do right changing all your cookware at once probably a bit more of an expense so it's something you do over time or buying a filter but it's like firstly we need people like you going hey, there's got to be some kind of awareness and then sort of breaking it down and going, actually swap swap this for that and sort of keep it sustainable. Because like you said, as a mum and on a budget or, you know, even as a single on a budget, it, it is really hard. Yeah, it is. And it, I think like one of the biggest lessons I've learned over time is that you can't do it all and be all and be perfect. Uh, it's yeah. just about making changes as as you can because those those little changes lead into big changes. Like I can say I wasn't in the first part of my health journey, I was certainly not eating organic and I wasn't probably completely plastic free at that stage because I didn't have the knowledge. And as we learned, we changed things. And as we could, um, as our budget allowed, we've, we've changed things. And even now I'm still within our budget, I'm still changing things slowly. Like there's still things that I want to improve in our house that we're not perfect on either. Yeah. But like anything, you know, something's better than nothing, you know, like yeah, exactly. Like one of those small things where you're like, okay, what can I do? Where can I start today? And just sort of change it slowly. But like I said, like I love your Instagram for that. And for those listening, um, it's just low toxin rabbit. Um, and I mean, your website's the same www.lowtoxinrabbit.com. Yeah com and I just feel like you break it down and you do keep it simple and go hey swap this for that so I just yeah I, I love what you do and I really appreciate it and I do think having more people like you who make it achievable and doable it just doesn't feel like that same overwhelming load yeah well that's really good thank you for that because I'm also happy to ask any questions like if someone has something specific that they can't find on my blog I'm always happy to answer that question because a lot of the time I've it's something that I've definitely thought about but I just yes. haven't had time to, to <laughs> yeah. translate it onto my blog yet because I'm a busy mum of three children and I'm also now currently homeschooling so it makes me even busier and so I have all this information in my mind of all these things that we've looked at um that I haven't quite got there so if, if anyone has any questions I'm always happy to ask them answer them because it's likely highly likely that's something yeah. that I've thought about yeah yeah well thank you thank you for that and I'm sure everyone listening will go have a stalk in the listen and probably ask you questions but if you could sort of give one sort of tip or starting point for people sort of where where would you point in the direction if they are feeling like a really busy or overwhelmed mom and he's like holy moly I don't even know 
what one thing to start with or how do I organize my thought patterns around this? What was really helpful for you in the in the early days? Um, it's definitely just focusing on changing one thing at a time. So I think really like I like to kind of take the approach of what you put in and then focus on the external. So really food. So just removing processed food. So it might be simply by just cooking a meal from scratch every night and then maybe you might still be having some processed snacks during the day to get through but you're still having one meal that's good for you and wholesome and then eventually you'll slowly increment more and more things you'll start making your own snacks or you'll come up with solutions like you can you don't even need to make things to have healthy snacks a piece of fruit or some nuts things like that Um, and you just have to grin and bear with yourself because it takes time to make change and so it's just implementing one thing at a time and creating new habits slowly and then eventually it will kind of all compound. So really food, like focusing on what you're taking in because that's the thing that's going to impact your body immediately and then focusing on the external um, secondary. Mm. That would be kind of my approach and not thinking that you have to change overnight and change everything because we have these habit habits. There, I know there are people that are super really low tox, but they still love their sunlight dishwashing liquid and they won't give it up. And that's okay because you're doing a lot of other things over here to help reduce your load. So it's not about being perfect. It's just about making changes. Yeah, yeah, because you can. You start going down the rabbit hole of bed sheets and pillows and mould in the home and, like, making sure you've got plants in the house and just, like, (laughs) monitor. Like, there are, like, and some things are easy changes and other things, like, that you don't always think about. Like I said, like, pillows or whatever, and then you start going, shivers I need to change everything in my whole house like it can feel but like you said when you sort of strip it back and go okay I'm having microwave lunches what can I swap that out for that might be just as convenient and whether that's you know rice and some simple protein and a little bit of veg or whether like you said like you're swapping some of your pre-made snacks for just yoga and you chuck in a glass container with a few fresh berries or a bit of fruit and going okay this is my swap and just how can I, yeah, keep that sort of sustainable and in my budget as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just like keeping it simple and just making small changes because as you make more change, small changes, you'll make more and more as the time goes on. And like, yeah. for instance, we, we, I, I think about pillows and I'm like, oh, we probably need to change our pillows yeah. and all these things as well still. But I really like just because I'm so busy as a mom, I just focus yeah. really on what we're eating. Um, is one of our main points and then everything else kind of flows from there yeah yeah Yeah. well thank you so much for jumping on today Sarah I really really appreciate it and for those listening who do want to learn more or know more like I said lowtoxandrabbit.com is the website or on Instagram or lowtoxandrabbit on TikTok as well is the best places to find Sarah to see her information or to flick her a question and ask her so yeah thank you we really appreciate your knowledge and I love the work that you're doing in this space yeah thanks so much for having me and I hope you have a lovely afternoon and evening (laughs) thank you for listening to another episode of the empowered hormone podcast if you know a female who needs some empowerment please forward repost tag or share and let's get women talking